Hey, hello, brothers and sisters. We are still in Job today. There was a couple of questions that, that come up after the sermon was done. And them two questions are, why was Job allowed to be tested, and why didn't God protect him? Now, we didn't cover these in the sermon, because at that point, we were going for a, a greater point to be made. So I want to come back today and look into these two questions. And this is all going to be found in the first couple of chapters of Job. And I may continue on in Job in a few other spots. Is Job's really a book that right now in life is, is speaking to me and hopefully it's speaking to a few others as well. So if you will pray with me. Now Lord... May the words of my mouth and the meditations deep within all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. So again, them questions were, why was Job allowed to be tested and why didn't God protect him? So as we set the stage with all of this, God is meeting with his angels and Satan wanders in quite a bit like Judas would be wandering in with the other apostles around Jesus. Just wanders in and walks amongst them. And God said to Satan, from where do you come? <clears throat> now God is omnipresent, so he knows where Satan has been. He knows what Satan was doing. Yet he asked a question. And I think he asked that question to give Satan yet another chance to put another nail in his coffin and sin once more against a holy and righteous God, which he did, because Satan, per his character, lied. Now, in Scripture, we can see that Satan is a prince of this world, and he's a ruler of the demons, and that earth is his domain. And he is one who Peter describes as prowling the earth like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So at this point, God knows what Satan was doing. He knows why he was doing it. And he knows what Satan was seeking. So when God responds to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? God's response wasn't as odd as it seems by a simple reading of the text. Because God knew that Satan wasn't out for a walk. So he knew exactly what was up and there was no beating around the bush here. God took control of the conversation immediately when he suggested Job. Now we know that Satan is out looking for something to kill, steal, and destroy. And despite all these things we see in movies, we see it on the TV and the internet, all the theological errors about how people will be partying in hell with all their friends, just like the creator of these lies, all of these lies are from the pits of hell. And they're used to turn us against God and towards a deity that in the end will not destroy not only the flesh, but he's trying to lead souls to eternal damnation. So as I said, God knew what Satan was doing. And he knew why he was doing it. Satan was coming off what he perceived as success when he had caused Adam to sin in the garden. So he was pretty confident in his abilities to prove that salvation, 
the change of heart from stone to flesh that God does was not permanent. But rather, these things were happening because Job served God out of fear. Now, God knows our heart and he knows how secure we are in being his. So God had no qualms about offering up Job to the prowling lion. See, God knew it would be God himself and the work he did in Job that would carry Job through. Satan did not know this. Satan thought that man would serve God and would only continue to do so if they were prosperous. You see, they, he figures that there's no reason to serve God if there was nothing in it for, for man. There's no reason to serve if there's nothing in it for them. If that prosperity is removed, there will be no reason to serve God. And with no reason to serve God, then Job would curse God. And this is what Satan was thinking. You remove that prosperity from Job, and he will curse you to your face. And he figured that if all Job's prosperity was taken away, he would curse God to his face, and then Satan's thought process would in fact be true. And that thought process, proving that salvation isn't permanent, that even if God has saved you, that that saving faith can be broken, and in doing such, one will turn their back on God. Wherein we know that there are but two masters to serve in this life, God and the devil. And even if you don't worship in a religious sense, either one, you still have chosen a side. So to those who are not gods, they're standing against him. So Satan knew he could turn Job against God and prove his theory right, but, but, God would need to remove the hedge of protection from Job, and Job would then surely curse God when everything he had on earth was taken away. Now, Job was unaware, as we are in our lives when we suffer attacks, regarding what was actually happening. To Job, it was a string of disasters that took all the Lord had given him away. In this particular first instance, Satan couldn't harm Job physically. That was the only caveat. And thus, with permission granted from God, again, showing that if Satan had to ask permission, then God truly is sovereign, Satan destroys all that, all that Job has. Now, Job's reaction was that he did as all of us would. He grieved at the loss of his children, but he also worshipped God. Job's reaction was the first step in proving the hypothesis of Satan wrong. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job didn't lash out at God, but rather he worshipped him. Job knew that he needed to submit to the trials brought on by the disasters that befell him and worship God. Job knew God willed these trials and that God has his own reasoning behind the trials, and we also must in faith trust God's reasoning. 
despite all of what had happened to Job, the loss of everything he had had up to that point, including his children, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. The book of Job then transition away, transitions away from Job's trials back to the heavenly court. Satan again gets trapped by God in a lie. Where have you come from, God asks. God knew. God knew where Satan was, what he was doing, what he was thinking, and God also knew that Job had won round one and Satan wasn't happy about it. God knew when Satan responded, roaming about on the earth, roaming to and fro around on it, that Satan was indeed steamed about his round one loss to Job and was looking for someone to torment. Have you ever considered my servant Job? Yeah, that Job. The Job you took everything from. Yes. Yes, that Job. This was Satan's chance to prove his theory, but herein lies an important statement. God tells Satan that Job has not changed and still has faith, still serves God, and still holds fast to his integrity. But we must note in this section, God tells Satan, although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause, the message behind this is that it is, in fact, Satan who is the guilty party in all this. Job, Job was an innocent man and remains innocent. He did nothing, nothing to bring about this massive amount of pain and suffering. The full weight of all of this lies directly on Satan. And we must also then look that God is, in fact, blaming Satan for all of this. But yet, when Job's friends show up, Job's friends laid the blame on Job. God said Job had not been punished for something he did, but suffered for something he had not done personally. And this actually may even be a foreshadow of the work of Christ on the cross, that, that the sins that he paid for on that cross were not his own, but rather he paid for the sins of others. He suffered a punishment for something that he had not done personally. Now this section of scripture will also show us that sometimes suffering is caused by divine purpose. And we don't know why it's happening and we'll probably never know why it's happening. But it's not a punishment but a suffering to be used for other reasons unbeknownst to us. Maybe it'll be used to grow our faith. Maybe it's being used to test our faith. Maybe it's being used to show Satan that when God truly saves a person, truly changes that person's heart from stone to flesh, that nothing can be done to reverse that change. Now, Satan has a plan to prove his original theory. He says, yeah, I took everything he had, but couldn't touch Job. He then says to the Lord, skin for skin, yes, all that a man has he will give for his life. However, put forth your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh. He will curse you to your face. Satan told God that, oh, 
with Job I've only barely touched your servant, but I have not touched him personally. I haven't made this matter personal, where Job has to suffer in his body. If I'm able to do this, then Lord, Job will curse you to your face. All that a man has can be taken away, and a man will still hold strong to his faith, except if he suffers in the flesh, he will curse God, and his faith shall fall. That was the hypothesis. That my original idea is still true, but yet you've protected him so much. You've protected him so much that his faith won't fail because I haven't attacked him personally in the flesh. And God basically told him, okay, give it a try, but don't kill him. That's the only addendum to all of this. Don't kill him. That's how round two begins, with the only stipulation being don't kill him. So Satan, at this point, brings Job to the brink of death. And death at this point seemed preferable to Job and to his wife. Yet Job held fast to his integrity and he suffered greatly. Now we have to realize that there is no pain medication at this point. None. Satan infected Job with boils from head to toe. Job left his home and he went outside the gates where the lepers were in the ash heap and he scraped his boils probably with a broken piece of pottery to break them and release the infection and relieve some pain. And the pain had to be intense. Yet through it all, Job held fast to his integrity, he held fast to his faith, and he didn't curse God. Job ultimately would win round two as well. So that kind of gives us an overview of the testing of Job, and there's quite a bit more, and I, I tell you, you need to really read the book of Job and study it and go through it and see what the, the pain and the suffering and the torment that Job truly did go through. So that brings us back to the first question. Why was Job allowed to be tested? Job was tested to prove a point that transcends the day and time it happened in. The point being that when God has done a work in any person, man or woman, his spirit is in us to help us to the end. We don't come to Christ with a list of conditions or a contract to sign, but rather we are drawn to God showing our sin, we repent of that sin as our hearts have been changed and we are sealed with the Holy Spirit as Christ comes to us. God was confident that Job could withstand Satan's attack because even though it would be Job suffering, it was God persevering. Job was sealed by God and God knew the beginning from the end. He knew what Job was and how all this would end how he would bring Job through all the pain and tragedy, how he would return Job everything back twofold. Satan came at God with lies. God showed Satan the truth in action. 
that no matter what happens in life, God, God does not leave you nor forsake you. If tragedy strikes, God will bring you through. If sickness strikes, God will bring you through. God allowed Job to be tested to prove to Satan that what God has created cannot be broken. <clears throat> that those that God has chosen are not like clay pots that will be cracked and broken under any pressure, but rather like diamonds that with pressure will become more precious. Job's testing not only served as a lesson for Satan on how God's children persevere by his spirit, but also as an event that grew Job's faith in God and showed Job how far the Lord would indeed be with us. And also, if we think about it, as a lesson for us in times when we face adversity and trial, that we too can overcome the adversity and trust fully in God. Question two, why didn't God protect Job? In essence, God did protect Job. He allowed Satan to take Job to the most extreme case of trial and pain we see in Scripture, except that of Jesus Christ himself. Yet, he protected Job's life. We as humans want to shy away from trials and walk in peace and harmony to live our best lives now. While that would be an awesome life to have, we would never grow. We just simply would never grow. Our faith is like a muscle and we must have it exercised in order for it to grow. We'd never know how much we could trust God if our faith wasn't tested, nor would we ever grow in that faith. You know, while many people will throw up verses out of context at moments like these and in a moment's notice to aid in their fight or to bring some peace of mind to themselves, one verse, Philippians 4.12, the one that says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It isn't about jumping higher or swimming faster, but it centers square on the Christian walk that we, through Christ, are able to overcome trials and tribulations to the glory and for the glory of God and walk as Christians because we are sealed and protected by God. Job trusted God. Job knew God. Job walked with God. God used Job as an example for all of us, as a tool to show Satan that God's sealed followers are permanently saved that the saving faith orchestrated by God cannot be broken and that those who God has sealed cannot be Satan's. As was written in 1 John 2.19, they went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained of us. God protected Job in all this to the perfect point. He allowed some things and disallowed others. In the end, in the end, we know from last week, God restored Job, and we were left with a lesson for the ages. And Job was left with a greater understanding and a greater love for his God. Satan, on the other hand, was shown the sovereignty of God and his ultimate rule over all. And God's ultimate rule over all including the adversary himself. Amen.